0: Welcome to a special presentation of Behind the Scenes where Marvel vs. Marvel revisits the production histories of some of your favourite Marvel movies and TV shows and undercovers how they made it to the screen in the first place. If you're joining us for the first time, our full-length episodes are packed with the kind of insight and behind-the-scenes notes on your favourite Marvel movies. Have the dollars and cents to look into when it comes to taking a peek at the production. Mm. But there's a lot to talk about, and I know you've I mean I've got I've done research, you've done research. Um so what can you tell us then? What have you discovered and found out about this landmark T V series?
1: Well, I found a few things, some very interesting things. Uh I, I got here on a big old list. Okay. So I'll start from I'll start from the beginning. While Marvel's X-Men animated series was being uh, was produced by Saban, Spider-Man was produced by the newly formed Marvel Films Animation. It was the only series that the in-house studio produced. Mm. So, that, so that's that's the first. It's it's the first in-house produced thing.
0: Was the first. Yeah. the The problem with this is there's discrepancies. Yeah. Because I th- I think Marvel Films Animation didn't last very long. It was very quickly because they bought. Do you remember we talked about in the Iron Man episode, New World and the Switch Over? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I think this project started as Marvel Films Animation, but by the time it was coming out, it, it Marvel Films Animation didn't exist anymore, and it was New World's. Uh, Productions, animation New World Animation. By the time it came out, I think which might be why it's the only series because they started and then they changed the name completely and became something else. Oh wow. Mm. It it I mean I mean from I won't spoil
1: what happens in the uh, bonus episode that we I, I was almost almost going to say you're going to leak it but you're not leaking it you're giving free access to the bonus episode when we deal with the bankruptcy
0: stuff—it it made me. Oh, think. in the age of apocalypse, yeah, yeah, yeah it ties in with. It's that. essential. It's essential listening, and I don't want to. Um, I don't want
1: to harp on about it, but I'm still angry about it. For what you told me, it's horrible. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible what happened. It's very. It, it's the.
0: It, it's like the death of Marvel. I mean, yeah. they're still here,
1: but it is like
0: hearing the death
1: of Marvel. It really is, mm. and just like anything to do with Marvel, it came back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Ben is still dead He's not going anywhere no, he's, he's, he's the gold standard of mortality <laughs> oh God, That was a dark way of saying it So another fact was uh, was For many for many years The series was uh, the se- For many years uh, The series was the second longest running Marvel show created after X-Men As well as the longest running series Based on Spider-Man Until Ultimate Spider-Man surpassed its record in 2015 this, uh,
0: the show, the show's over like twenty years old now. Yeah, and I read somewhere, and I, ha- I don't know if this is, I haven't backed this up with subsequent research, but I read that there hasn't been a single year since it was created that it hasn't been on the in the last twenty plus years, twenty five years, there hasn't been a single year that it's not been on the air in in reruns somewhere in syndication, yeah. and now of course Disney Plus. That's an incredible legacy.
1: I, incredible, and I, I mean, I, I I really want to watch the rest of the series. I I went through the X Men animated series on on Disney Plus, and it was entertaining. And I just get the feeling that Spider Man is going to be that
0: bit better. I I really what I really want to go through all of them after watching it, these. It's a it's a great series. It really is. The mm. last one, no, it's the X Men. The last one. The last series of X Men gets a little. Uh, they they start to skimp on the end, don't they? Yeah, anyway. I heard
1: there was some things about the end, but we, we won't talk about that. I did see a Christmas episode though; that that felt a bit weird. <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Why? Why do this?" Uh, also, for uh, Sp- Spider Man, its cancellation after sixty five episodes was due to disagreements between executive producer Avi Arad and network head Margaret Loesch that forced the show to be cancelled. So, it, yeah,
0: there are rumours Avi. Uh Intentionally did that because they wanted to do their own show. They didn't want Fox involved anymore. That makes sense. But who knows? Who knows? Avi, if if anyone if anyone could do it, it would be Avi because he's a, 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 a man of bold business moves. There
1: we go. But Margaret Loesch, we got remember what we said about her. How how, how good she was at getting all this
0: stuff in 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 place. Uh, oh, Margaret Margaret Loesch is. Like it's possible though, it, not that there wouldn't be a Marvel Cinematic World without her, but it wouldn't have happened in the same way at the same pace and speed. Yeah, it's it's she's the one that championed X Men on Fox and made it happen, and she's the one that sold Fox executives on X Men as a movie brand. So she's incredibly important. Oh, it's and, and and you know. Worked so closely with Stan Lee and with Marvel and stuff Yeah
1: Also the studio originally wanted uh, Martin Pascoe Who was the story editor for Batman the animated series But when the negotiations broke down John Semper Jr. was called by Stan Lee Stan Lee then told Semper that Martin Pasco had been fired Semper that was then brought on to work on the show immediately Uh, In 1994, Semper began working on Spider-Man, the animated series, as a story editor. However, upon starting his job, he learned that no writing had been done. Semper then took it upon himself to write the scripts for every episode except for five. Once in a secure position, John Semper made his first demand of the combined Fox-Marvel forces by making them buy him a complete collection of Spider-Man comics. Fox and Marvel have the idea that armed with six trade paperbacks, Semper was going to create a 65-episode series. However, he told them, no, invest the money in the books, and they could use them for reference. Semper got his comics, and as 1993 moved into 1994, the story editor began researching more than 30 years of Spider-Man lore, building the foundation of the series. And I will say, it really shows. I haven't read Spider-Man comics, but you, c- you can tell... That they're trying to fit into a narrative that isn't so easy to fit into a a, a Saturday morning cartoon, if that makes sense. I get the feeling they're trying to... You know know when something is trying to adapt something for something else. You can feel not the growing pains, not the strange, not the stretch marks, but the kind of not-so-clean adaptation, if you will. Right. Yeah, yeah, because because there there are people coming in from all sides. References to other people that I don't under, that only I understand. If, if I if I was watching this completely oblivious to what everything is to do in the Spider Man universe, like Oscorp and things like that, I would be there going, "What has that got to do with anything?" But I'm getting everything. Everything's put in place like it would
0: would do it. You know, if, if he had this all planned ahead. That does, however, reflect reading Marvel comics for the first time because. You go, uh, you know, Spider Man. If you just buy the 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 Amazing Spider Man, and Spider Man is making reference to the Fantastic Four or Stark Industries mm. or this, that, and the other, you don't have a reference point. For yeah. those until you start to go further. Um, yeah, well, I've got, have got, I've got a lot on John Semper. Um, I- to to. To go through, I
1: did like... I'll mention it more, but I did like the references to the Fantastic Four and the Avengers he makes in the cartoon. I was like, oh, I yeah. love that. I love it when they do that in Marvel stuff. Uh, according to John Semper Jr., he was forbidden from doing season-long story arcs, but did it anyways and almost got fired for it. However, he was allowed to get away with it because Marvel was dealing with their financial problems. Semper has stated... That he is proud that he did season-long story arcs because it forced the viewers to pay attention. Semper has also said he is proud of the fact that he made enemies over this decision. You, I, I have a feeling you've got a lot to say about Semper because he sounds—he sounds like a.
0: I've got, I've got, I've got a bit. He, he's, he's very, very he. This show does not this show only has one father mm. and it, and one author and it's and it's you know lots and lots of talented people worked on this show, but in terms of making it happen like forcing it through almost he mm. birthed this series and and is this is again this is another landmark building block to get to get us to the m c u to get us to a point where the whole world accepts marvel and John Semper jr is a really really big part of that, yeah yeah,
1: yeah he sounds it. Marvel had no creative control on the TV series because at the time, Marvel was in a tough time and close to bankruptcy. However, Stanley had influence on the show's first 13 episodes. When Night of the Lizard first aired, Spider Man the Animated Series became an instant hit. Because of this, heads at Fox were considering bumping the series' episode order from 65 to 100. However, Jeez. this did not happen. Yeah. Amazing. The villains sand, and finally, uh, a little bit of fact: uh, the villains Sandman and Electro could not be used in the series because James Cameron was planning to use them in a Spider-Man movie he was going to make. The film ended up not being made, and toward the end of the series, Semper got to use Electro, but ran out of time in the series before he could use Sandman. I would love to see a Marvel film directed by James Cameron. Who was going to be his Spider-Man?
0: Do you know? He's Peter Parker. Oh no who was going to be it who's going to be spider-man Leo Leonardo DiCaprio yeah that that was he he was attached to the project Leonardo DiCaprio as Peter Parker oh my god and uh, James Cameron as the director this was i i really hope one day in in one way or another we get to do an episode or more about Marvel movies that never happened (laughs) Nearly happened and never did Because there's loads and loads of cool cool stories And cool stuff in in all of those uh, to do Because we
1: mentioned the uh, Captain America Well the ones that kind of did happen was the Captain America film But there was also that Fantastic Four film But I only know about that because of Arrested
0: Development (laughs) Well I think we'll probably get to everything that's been committed to celluloid Digital or, or, or otherwise, I think we'll get to um, it, one way or another. Yeah. Although I still refuse to do X Men: The Last Stand. Oh, but, um, uh, but the the projects that never happened. Now I know. So there's a lot. There's a lot of rumours and, and innuendo around the censorship. Yeah, I was going to get onto of that. this cartoon series. Yeah. Um, and it's become always a myth of its own. What can you tell us about the alleged censorship well, of this show, as well as production notes and fun facts about the show? I've also got a list of censorship, and
1: I I I love this. Oh. I, I I needed to have this in the episode. I needed. I I didn't didn't have to twist your arm. I was really happy about that. I did. I I was expecting to go. This seems a bit strenuous, Will, but I was happy you left it in. Uh, so basically, the series was also known for its high level of censorship. Uh, well. As you will say, it's uh, is it become a bit of a myth? But the censorship apparently included the following: Spider-Man and other characters
0: were never allowed to punch anyone. <laughs> I mean, that's evident in if you if you watch the show, that is evident. Yeah. But I have to say, I don't think I ever noticed it until someone pointed it out to me. what well, they they don't punch anyone because I, I I yeah I
1: can't I can't I can't um, think. I'm trying to think Does he punch anyone but he swings at them uh,
0: No they, they never do He never punches anyone But what I'm saying mm. is It's not like you watch the show And you go this is ridiculous Why hasn't he punched anyone <laughs> I've watched this show as a kid and as an adult And I've never noticed it Until the, the no punching thing was pointed out to me And then I went oh yeah you know what you think you're right, but it doesn't stand out as, oh my God, what? It's ruined the show. That reminds me, when I did
1: film studies at college, we had a bit about censorship. And apparently, one big thing in censorship that can really ruffle feathers is headbutting. Really? Headbutting, apparently, is one of those things where it's like, okay, punching's one thing about violence, but headbutting's a horrible thing that they go, nope, nope. And apparently, Spider Man got a 12A. One of the claims was, oh, it takes place in an urban environment or something like that. In the Spider Man films. What? Yeah, because they're like, oh, it's an urban environment and violence and stuff. It's not a kid's film. I think that they said something like that. I'm
0: completely lost. You don't like the Spider Man movie? Yeah. The first yeah, one? Yeah, Sam Raimi. The Sam Raimi one, and it got censored because it happens in an urban environment. Well, they, they, the, what, the, the, the whole movie. The rating got, got a 12A.
1: Didn't, didn't it get a 12A or something? I have no idea. I, I don't remember. I think it bumped from a PG to a 12A because it was urban violence. Related. Oh, urban violence, not urban. I thought you said urban Sorry, violence. urban violence. So You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Urban. No. Basically, uh, violence in
0: an urban setting. That sounds like a white person saying it's very black. I don't know what they're talking about. It does. Urban is their code word, isn't it? I am, this I, is urban music, and urban movies. I
1: am parroting what that very white person told me from BBFC.
0: Well let's get back to the cartoon Let's get get
1: back to the censorship Okay, No realistic weapons were allowed to be shown Only laser weapons were allowed in the series That's the same with with a lot of cartoons You're never going to see realistic weapons In any cartoon Uh, Characters were not allowed to say words like Die, death or kill Instead of these words uh, Characters like Spider-Man would say to that burglar Got Uncle Ben so didn't kill uncle ben he got uncle ben also when the destroyer told the story about how his wife died he said that his wife was caught in the crossfire so this is this is quite creative censorship this is people you know have discussions about censorship but sometimes it forces you to get creative with the with the way you describe things and and that's quite interesting the way they managed to still essentially say the same thing but with just a little word change, so it's okay for kids. Also, uh, Carnage in the comics was a serial killer. In the series, he was not allowed to kill anyone, so who's changed to a lunatic? (laughs) However, it was implied he has killed people, but this is never seen on screen. The Punisher, as well, was not allowed to kill people, but it was implied that he had killed before. When characters would be killed, uh, such as Uncle Ben, Kingpin's father, and Jack Murdoch, they would be killed off-screen.
0: Morbius was not allowed to suck a character's blood through his fangs Just, just explain Mor- Morbius is a famous Spider-Man Well, not very famous He's a Spider-Man character Who is a, a vampire They're making a allegedly making a, a Jared Leto movie with him at some point Oh
1: god, Jared Leto uh, Yeah, so it, he, he's not allowed to suck character's blood through his fangs So he sucked the blood through suction cups That are on the palms of his hands Yeah That's not more horrifying, is it? That's just... That's, that's, that's Lovecraftian Additionally, Morbius and other characters were not allowed to say the word blood The word plasma was used in its place When the Sinister Six was introduced the team had to be renamed the Insidious Six Because the network sensors thought the word sinister sounded too frightening This is strange because at the same time X-Men the Animated Series was using the character Mr Sinister Characters, oh last one Characters were not allowed to break glass windows and show broken glass I think it's to stop
0: kids imitating that. I can believe all of them.
1: Yeah, you can.
0: But I think if you sit down with a lot of Saturday morning cartoon shows, mm. you'll find exactly the same rules. Um uh, John Semper Jr. has said that a lot has been made of this censorship mm. in the in the Spider Man fandom, um, but he said it's really been exaggerated. And it's no, and John Semper is a man that will know, it's no stricter than any other kids' cartoon of, of the same time. Um, laser weapons instead of guns is so prevalent when I was growing up in the 80s yeah. and 90s and cartoons. Um, not saying death, die, and kill, so prevalent. Um, and I can imagine things like. Broken glass going oh yeah but k-, Then kids might break a glass window and kill Themselves <laughs> I can see all that Taking place um, The Morbius one really sticks out to me Because I remember that being super weird as a kid And Insidious 6 was Weird as a kid as well It, it um, kind of still works I like that it Kind of still works even though I, I, I yeah I know What you mean um, I remember when um, but this is not Restricted to kids cartoons When um -hmm. Various times in wrestling history, wrestling shows that have been on major networks uh, late—you know, late at night—but you know, sort of eight eight or nine o'clock—have been told by the networks, "Yeah, you can't say um, you want to kill him, you want to beat him up, you want to attack him. You want—you can't say words like violence. You can't say I'm going to destroy you. You can't say hate. You can't say I hate you." On a wrestling show About people fighting each other You couldn't say the word fight or the word hate So th- networks can get Very weird with language yeah. um, Especially if they're nervous about the show Oh god um, I strongly dislike you <laughs> <laughs> I uh, have I can't I can't think of the word now I have ill feelings towards your actions I have grievances <laughs> sir Grievances Grievances <laughs> So to build off Will's great research uh, going into the production, I'm going to take more of a specific look at some of the moving parts here as we lay the foundation for the for the, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So things that you'll remember, we would hope, from the i Man animated episode, which is fast becoming now <laughs> really important to how we put all this all this stuff together. Because of what we covered in that episode To do with Ron Perlman Not that one and, and New World Entertainment So New World Entertainment at the time of this Is the parent company of Marvel Comics It's, it's new owner Ron Perlman <laughs> um, not, not Hellboy Buys New World Entertainment And sees Marvel As being a mini Disney And that's the first time anyone had ever Taken that view on Marvel These characters have tons of And tons of value beyond comic books Tons of value as properties and brands that you can sell and make money off in other ways So Perlman goes on this spending spree with New World Entertainment And he buys or merges Marvel with other companies And one of those companies is Toy Biz The toy company that made all the action figures for Marvel Comics Avi Arad, the the co-owner of Toy Biz, becomes a very powerful executive In this New World Entertainment Marvel group And is appointed as the head of New World Animation New World Animation takes over from, I'm assuming, Marvel Films Mm -hmm. Animation Or Marvel Animation Films, or whatever we talked about earlier And New World Animation would now be responsible for all Marvel Animated Show most Marvel animated shows. Avi is the man who would then go on to basically f- start forming Marvel Studios and help launch the MCU. And like what we're seeing here in '93 '94 is that he's essentially doing the same stuff he would go on to do in the late 2000s that would get us Iron Man. Um, if if Ron Perlman could see the potential in in Marvel characters to make money outside of comic books, Avi Arid had a clear like he it was a concrete reality to Avi Arid. He could see how to do it. Since the boom of the nineteen eighties animations, Saturday morning cartoons had been used to sell tens of millions of dollars of toys. And action figures in America and, and 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 the UK and Canada and Australia all around the world, from GI Joe, He-Man, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, My Little Pony, the list is endless. You the the cartoon grabs kids and acts as essentially a free thirty minute advert. <laughs> That well, not free. You have to actually make the show, yeah. but you know you get money back from a network paying you to have to, to make the show. So as long as you, you make a profit on the show, and then make even more money selling the toys, the action figures, the playsets, the the bread sheets, you know all of that stuff. And Avi knows that Marvel can do the same as Ninja Turtles and Transformers and all of that. So after the thunderous success of the X Men animated series, Fox Kids is looking for another Marvel. Cartoon to give them another hit, and Avi knew. I imagine Standard as well, mm. but Avi knew that it has to be Spider Man, Marvel's yeah. number one character, most popular character, biggest property since the 1960s. So, New World Animation and Fox Kids start production on an animated series, but six months in, the wheels come off, and that's when. The uh, animated series Batman guy, I forget his name. I forget was base. Who was basically the driving force mm. on the project that nothing had really happened on. He's either left or he's forced out amongst some really big political issues. There's a lot of moving parts between Fox Kids, between Marvel Comics, and between New World Animation. It's a very Business politics situation The Spider-Man cartoon is in trouble They needed immediate Help to get it off the ground quickly Because they have a ticking clock Enter John Semper Jr um, John Semper Jr At that point had a successful Career in animation And also in, in in children's Not just children's live action He also wrote a movie for Kid and Play I Don't know if you remember Kid and Play?
1: I, but don't, you I don't
0: remember that Um uh, his, his career is both a writer and a producer. He wrote loads of scripts in one of his earliest jobs for Scooby Doo cartoon and worked uh, at Hanna Barbera. And when he works at Hanna Barbera, he works underneath Margaret Loach. Ah. Super, super important to the X Men story. Um, and when Loach leaves Hanna Barbera to go and work for the old Marvel Productions company on cartoons, John Semper goes with her Because they're close and work well together And so over at Marvel Productions Early on in his career John Semper Jr. works closely with not just Loesch But also Stan Lee And a real relationship a Business relationship is partnership is formed there Semper in the 80s had written everything From the Jetsons <laughs> and, and Fraggle Rock <laughs> And Scooby Doo To Super Friends, DuckTales And my favourite The completely forgotten Bionic 6 So when The Spider-Man project Is in serious trouble And needs a new producer There are to, To create the show from scratch There are two people desperate for there To be a new producer writer There's the head Of the network that it's on Margaret Loesch And there's the very influential person At New World Animation Stan Lee so of course it is incredibly natural that the person they both agree they need is John Semper Jr. because he's that tying link they both had worked with him so so closely and so well. So unlike the X Men cartoon where none of the writers we talked about how none of the writers on the X Men cartoon had read an X Men comic before, mm. and that actually that played in to, quite well to how the series was developed. John Semper Jr. He used to read Marvel comics every morning As he took the cold, <laughs> freezing cold subway train to school From the age of like 14, 15 He discovers the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man He buys them from the newsstand um, at the subway station He gets on the train and he reads them when he's going to school And and, and he, he's spoken um, in, in some great interviews about being... Really struck at the time At how different Marvel comics were To Superman and Batman comics That he's used to reading And what he's talking about Is all the things we've talked about The existential questioning The emotional wroughtness The realness The interpersonal arguing and fighting The working class hero And uh, Semper starts with with, with issue 2 or 3 of Spider-Man And and you know what he loved about it? It wasn't like anything he'd read before in comics. He loved the ongoing narrative and the soap opera lives of Spidey's supporting cast. Those are really ingrained in his mind as so such an indelible part of of, of Spider Man. Um, and he it, how every issue of Spider Man left him wanting to read the next issue because of that. And I can tell you that by and large Silver Age Superman and Batman comics Of the time It's not that each story was self-contained But it didn't have An ongoing uh, It didn't really have this The same level of ongoing drama That would make you go I want the next one It was kind of villain of the week Villain of the month defeated The end Um So John Semper Jr. Goes away to college And he's got Spider-Man posters on his dorm walls And he's at Harvard When Stan Lee Comes to give a talk at Harvard About Marvel Comics And about being Stan Lee And John Semper Jr. is one of the students That pays his $15 admission fee To hear Stan Lee speak Um, And I, I think it's clear That what he was able to usher into being with this cartoon, it's clear that John Semper Jr. knew what made Spider-Man great—not just work, but but different and 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 bold and great. Semper has given some great interviews. I'll 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 drop you some things at the end if you want to find those out. Where he said that the original producer. Of this cartoon, the writer-producer That you talked about from the animated series It wasn't that he wasn't a good writer or a good producer It was that actually What was needed was to survive The political situation That was going on between all these uh, competitive, com- competitive uh, Forces Fox Network, New World Animation Marvel Comics Ron Perlman's influence spreading mm. on through the down um, Semper says He was brought in Specifically by Stan Lee Basically because Stan Did not want the headache of trying to create The Spider-Man show from scratch Himself He did not have the time or the inclination to do that Um, Semper had a clear vision For this show Simply put he wanted to recreate what it was like To read Spider-Man comics In the 60s and 70s Most Saturday morning cartoons X-Men aside Were Short little one off stories That didn't really carry any weight Come the next episode Some of that is good Some of that is bad mm. I'd say Batman the animated series falls into that category It's not that things don't carry over It's that they generally don't carry over mm. It's not that that makes those shows uh, Lightweight Because obviously the animated series set new standards And won Emmys and all of that But by and large it's a, Every episode of the Batman animated series Is a self contained one and done, he beats the bad yeah. guy, and it, you know, and that's that. The next episode isn't like, what's going on with his love interest? Because it doesn't really have that. Yeah. <laughs> Semper knew that to do Spider Man properly, mm. you need to have serialized storytelling. Yes. Not just a two parter, not just recurring supporting cast or a villain that comes back three episodes later. The life of Peter Parker and his friends and family needs to flow from one episode to the next. Like a soap opera, that's not to say every episode ends with a cliffhanger mm. like a lot of long form serial dramas do or soap operas do, but the lives have to kind of flow um the problems need to grow, unfortunately because it's spider man spider man's adventures and problems all need to kind of impact the next one um but as you alluded to, that was not a popular approach. Despite the success of the X-Men series Doing roughly the same not I don't think in the same way um, but, but it was doing roughly the same The people in charge New World Animation and Fox Simply want this to be Like all the existing Successful cartoon shows In history that had good ratings And sold a lot of toys um, in, in, in interviews Semper has said Like you alluded to that he really had to push and push To get serialised storytelling through Um, Talking about pissing people off His old boss Margaret Loesch Sent him three memos Instructing him to stop trying to end episodes With cliffhangers (laughs) Like he he, he was able to get through I think almost on the quiet That all these stories flowed One episode to the other Mm. But cliffhangers were A definitive marker, you could look at a script and go, Well, then that person that is telling me this is serialized storytelling. Mm. Unless you're really paying attention, not really paying attention, if you're an executive that doesn't really care, you can get away with a lot unless there's a cliffhanger in there. Three memos instructing him to stop with the cliffhangers, and that's when they threatened to fire him (sighs) um, because he was ignoring a lot of that. Um, like you said, for the first 13 episodes of season one, there's something of a committee involving Stanley yeah. that would go through Semper's scripts and make alterations and, and additions. And Semper actually speaks quite fondly of this because he's getting to work really closely with a man he greatly admires, mm. and he says it was great for forming the voice of J. Jenna Jameson, and this, that, and the other. It was great for there are so many lines in those first 13 episodes where John says, that's a stand line I can tell you that's a stand line (laughs) So often it's the perfect line One I couldn't have come up with Um, But the politics at the start Was really intense, everyone wanted this To be a big hit And to make a lot of money That's a lot of pressure Um, Semper's mandate Came from Aviarid, Who's the head of this production wing And it's basically... It, he's described it not as you're making a toy commercial. Just sell toys, sell toys, sell toys. Mm. That was not the mandate. The mandate was include as many eye-catching great heroes and villains as you possibly can, so we can keep making toys. Yeah. So it's not it. I mean that it's entirely possible. That's what an artist has to tell themselves when they're actually making a toy commercial. <laughs> so who knows? But. Um, after the first thirteen episodes, uh, John Semper Jr. says he is writing and creating the Spider-Man animated series with zero oversight, zero creative input from any other creative force. Right? There's no Stanley at the studio. There's and there's certainly not Marvel Comics. Semper says that Avi Arid sent a memo to Marvel Comics informing them. In no uncertain turns That Marvel Comics would have Zero input Into the cartoon There was a lot of tension Ooh. Semper says The series is based on, on, on the, the spirit of the characters and the stories From the 60s, 70s And 80s But the 90s stories, the late 80s And 90s stories Were looked down on by everyone involved In the show the writers and the producers Semper says that Marvel in the 90s Is not just financially I mean it probably isn't financially struggling Just yet but it's creatively struggling Spider-Man Especially um, Semper mentions Things like The bloodthirsty carnage storyline That went mm. on and on and on The clone saga that hadn't actually Come <laughs> out yet but was brewing And we talked about yeah. And, and perhaps most shocking of all Something you don't know about A two year story Will, Two years that saw, the, that saw the resurrection Of Spider-Man's parents No All examples Of straying really far From what Spider-Man was About mm. um, it, 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 He's talking about A really odd period Where Spider-Man Goes dark And grim And it's very odd Now I'll tell you The bizarre nightmare of Peter Parker's parents Peter's actual descent into madness Is the basis for this month's full length bonus episode On Patreon It's a weird, dark, odd time In in Spider-Man's history I would think probably the worst Um, So to get a true sense of what was going on In the Spider-Man comics at the time Of this cartoon You will need to join us on Patreon Thanks for joining us As we revisit some of our favourite moments From Marvel vs Marvel Don't forget our full length episodes Are jam packed with hours Of Marvel trivia Behind the page, behind the scenes And comic book Marvel history